transmission. Welcome to a new episode of EU Watchdog Radio. My name is Hans van Scharen, Media Officer at Corporate Europe Observatory, also known as CEO. In this episode, and the last one of the year, I will be talking to CEO researcher and campaigner Belen Balagna, who recently published a new investigative report called The Hydrogen Hype, Gas Industry Fairy Tale or Climate Horror Story? CEO published this report together with two other NGOs, Food and Water Action Europe and Recommon. With this report, the three NGOs want to put a sensitive issue on the European political agenda, being the incredible hype that's being built around hydrogen and how this is basically a Trojan horse for the fossil fuel industry. Hydrogen, you said? Yes, and please wait, do not stop listening. This is not a podcast about a technical issue. It is highly political. And Belen Balagna basically explains why this hydrogen hype is probably one of the biggest greenwashing examples in recent history. While hydrogen is being hyped by fossil fuel companies, helped by the global consultancy firm FTI and policymakers alike, this could be the final make-or-break story for the European Green Deal and even for a European climate policy that will deliver the goals of the Paris Agreement signed five years ago. And yes, hydrogen is clean, in the sense that when used, it does not emit greenhouse gases. But it is not so much about the consumption of hydrogen that matters. In a climate context, it is how it's produced. So when you listen to this podcast episode, please try to keep in mind these four underlying facts. One, big fossil fuel companies do not want to lose their dominant market positions or even monopolies. And as a new report by the organization Carbon Tracker shows, the salary of managers of fossil fuel companies and their executive incentives trap those companies in a loop of fossil growth. Two, Shareholders and public or private investors do not want to lose their short-term lucrative dividends that they get from those fossil fuel companies. 3. We are all afraid of change and therefore we look away from reality by wanting to believe so hard in the so-called techno-fix solutions that fossil fuel industry is putting forward and sells to us. Maybe policymakers should start being a bit more skeptical towards the so-called technical solutions coming from vested interests. Four, last but not least, politicians who should regulate do not want to become unpopular by proposing radical changes of how we produce and consume energy and by doing so losing the next elections. So unfortunately, even with European societies at large that recognize the climate urgency even when the scientists are telling us desperately this is the last decade in which we can still avoid the worst effects of climate change, 
short-sightedness and vested interests seem to prevail. Now, Ursula von der Leyen, President of the European Commission and Commissioner Frans Timmermans, should open their eyes and listen more to the Youth for Climate activists than to corporate lobbyists. Because it seems that their famous Green Deal they announced one year ago is being hijacked by a gang of corporations. Von der Leyen often almost brag, brags about the EU proposed 750 billion recovery fund. But does she know that since the Paris Agreement, European banks alone have pumped 760 billion into the fossil fuel industry? And to finance their hydrogen hype, fossil fuel companies have secured no less than 430 billion euros of public subsidies until 2030. It seems that Europe's man-on-the-moon moment, a metaphor used by von der Leyen one year ago when she announced the Green Deal, is mostly taking place on the dark side of the moon. Welcome, Belen. First of all, can you explain why did you decide to publish this new report on hydrogen on the 7th of December? Were there specific reasons to publish at that moment? Uh, thank you, Hans. Well, it, there is a matter of, of real urgency because, as you know, we have very little time left to act on climate change. And uh, what we call the hydrogen hype means that there's a lot of regulations and um, decisions on giving a lot of money now for hydrogen, uh, which actually means not a solution for climate change. So, uh, But this is not well known for the public at all. So we thought it's uh, very timely to, to bring this report now. Thanks. So before we get to the findings of your report, let's try to get the origins of what you describe as the hydrogen hype. An important moment, for example, was in July 2020, when the so-called Clean Hydrogen Alliance announced the EU strategy on hydrogen. This strategy seemed to have a big overlap with the plans of the fossil fuel companies, isn't it? The Clean Hydrogen Alliance is like a kind of advisory body, um, that it was set by actually DG Grow, a department in the European Commission, which is uh, very close to industry, works very much together and has already a track record of putting research and funding on, hands of, uh, on the hands of industry instead of, of independent bodies. So the Clean uh, Hydrogen Alliance, which has... Uh, almost 1,000 corporations by now, and as far as I know, four, four or five NGOs, um, is set to, this, to, to propose which hydrogen projects uh, will become eligible for public funds. So there is a clear conflict of interest there. And uh, indeed, its birth was at the same time that the, that the Commission um, um, uh, Hydrogen Strategy for Europe which uh, creates uh, a whole um, regulatory and financial help to, to build a really uh, what they call um, a hydrogen economy. So to make hydrogen, uh, give it a key role in the energy mix, and really a big boost. Before we move on, it's maybe good to explain a bit more what hydrogen is. It is often considered as a clean energy source, right? Because uh, there are no greenhouse gas emissions. But because of differences in the production, uh, there are many colors of hydrogen. 
There is, for example, the green hydrogen produced with electricity from renewable energy sources. Uh, there is blue and gray hydrogen, etc. Please explain. Absolutely. It's what, it's what we call the hydrogen uh, rainbow. Because every article you see in the media, it's talking about hydrogen as a clean solution. No? But actually, in Europe, less than 0.1 um, is what we call green, what is called green hydrogen, uh, which, which is made with renewable energy. Uh, then you have blue hydrogen, which is also very small, 0.7, and that's made of fossil fuels, so gas, uh, coal. But they promise they will capture the CO2 emissions with a very risky technology, which is um, sequestering the, the, the CO2, the carbon, no? You mean putting CO2 into the ground, right? Put it in the ground, exactly. Or putting it in the ground and then using for something else, <laughs> something else like enhanced oil recovery. So actually for very bad climate uses. But... Um, more than 90% of the, of the hydrogen that is made in Europe is just made of fossil fuels, plain, you know, coal and gas. Um, and that's not what it's what it said in, the, in, in, in all this news and in all this hype, which means that uh, putting so much money and so much um, um, facilities, you know, to, to smooth this is actually giving a a lifeline to, to gas and to fossil fuels for decades. <laughs> and, and, and basically, we just don't have that, that time. The hydrogen plants of the European Commission are almost identical to the demands of an influential lobby group called Hydrogen Europe, you describe. Um, what is the link with the Hydrogen Alliance? Because even the amounts uh, that the European Commission seem to have uh, just copy-pasted the need for a staggering 430 billion euro investment for hydrogen till 2030. 430 billion euros, that's a lot of money. Yes, but they're putting a lot, a lot of different funds on it. Um, they're getting money from the Sustainable Europe Investment Plant, which is the investment arm of the European Green Deal. They're getting money from the ETS, from the Innovation Fund. Um, they're getting money from the recovery funds, so from the recovery and resilient facility, which is, as you say, it's, it's considering uh, lots of billions. And they're also getting money from the um, Connecting Europe facility, which is not supposed to give more money to, to uh, fossil fuels, but it will be. And well, not finally, but another one to mention is that they're really planning to bypass the current state aid guidelines uh, for national governments, so the limits they have to contribute to funding of these projects. And they want to make like special rules for, for hydrogen projects where well, they will be get um, up to the full 100% of, of what they say the funding costs of a project. So all in all, they're getting money from every available pot, um, both from the EU and from national governments, also from the European Investment Bank, etc. I thought that one of the starting points of the Green Deal that the European Commission announced last year was not to invest any more in fossil fuels. And the Vice President of the European Commission, Frans Timmermans, responsible for the Green Deal, has stated several times that the billions of euros for the pandemic recovery funds should not be used for fossil fuels-related investments. 
But still, your and many other reports reveal that the gas industry secured lots of billions of euros. To secure so much taxpayers' money, the fossil fuel industry must have organized a huge and effective lobby campaign to convince policymakers uh, and, and get this uh, kind of massive political goodwill in, in times of climate urgency. Belen, what can you tell us about the lobby that you describe in your report? Um, huge. Huge. It's huge and sustained, but that's... Um, I mean, they, they use every trick on the on the lobby toolbox, no? From, uh, I think, a very big factor in this one is the help of PR firms that, uh, that manufacture a story uh, for their clients. In this case, um, a PR firm uh, very well known in Brussels, FTI Consulting, is behind two of the main lobby groups, uh, hydrogen lobby groups in Europe. This same firm was exposed uh, last month um, in the New York Times uh, for creating front groups uh, for the oil and gas industry in the US. That's a recurring uh, way they have to work, of working. And uh, they, they set both of these groups And they set it for the for the gas and oil <laughs> industry, but they dress it up as as a renewable, and it follows their their strategy of uh, first selling gas as a as a transition energy. Well, first they say gas is clean. Then um, climate campaigners through the last five years managed to demonstrate that actually gas is not clean; it's really as bad as coal or worse. As a, as a climate change gas. Um, then they say, oh, gas is a transition, which is the same thing that they are doing in, in hydrogen, no? presenting the fossil uh, hydrogen as a transition to the green hydrogen. And now they, they even go a tweak more and they say gas is renewable <laughs> with hydrogen. And, and yeah, it, it, it's work. It's been a good campaign, but it's, of course, not only PR money. It's the money they... Um, in the report, we also did. Um, um, uh, we look at how many times they've they've met. No, the high, the high people in the commission involved in deciding all this. They've been meeting a lot. The hydrogen lobby, much more than NGOs, so they do have a privileged access to decision makers. They also put a lot of money. Um, Counting, counting even um, not not counting all the money because, for instance, we don't count how much they pay to these PR firms. Uh, only the hydrogen lobby we look at. They put 58. Uh, they spent 58 more than 58 million euros in one year on influencing EU policymaking. They have a lot of events. They have. Uh, we analyze over 200 documents uh, released by uh, using freedom of information rules which shows a massive campaign. They've been sending for the last two years uh, lobby letters to every decision maker uh, saying we need uh, blue hydrogen. We need uh, all kinds of hydrogen, actually, to meet the, 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 the net zero targets no? that the EU has committed to. And that has, that's what has made the trick. The fact that they say... Green hydrogen alone is very little, it's very expensive. We never can meet uh, the targets that the EU has committed. So therefore, we need every kind of hydrogen to get there. And then they say, ah, we will strive towards green hydrogen. But this is, this is a future. <laughs> it's, it's not what we're going to get in the next, uh, even up to 2050 and more. 
But how come that policymakers still do not, do not listen to science? Or uh, did I miss something and did scientists suddenly agree that gas is indeed a cleaner form or a less dirty fossil fuel? Um, well, to the, the, the thing is uh, some, some scientists, a uh, very relevant one, are saying for a long time uh, gas is not clean. It's a greenhouse more than 100 times worse for global warming than CO2 if you count a 10-year period. And indeed, methane leaks not only when you drill, but when you transport, happens all the time, which means it's a, as bad as, as climate as coal. But the Commission, well, not only the European Commission, but, but decision makers globally are, are paying more attention to what industry says. And there's also a lot of uh, like misleading uh, studies commissioned by, by industry uh, There, you know, it's, it's, you know how it's worked with climate change denials. They've put a lot of of uh, resource into into uh, selling fake. This lobby campaign and that is has not only about fossil fuel companies, but also, uh, as you describe, uh, done by those companies that own gas infrastructure, who managed to secure also funding for their gas pipelines, etc. It's even being called the hydrogen backbone. Can you explain a little, please? Yes. So also the, the, the gas campaigns over the last years have made clear, um, mostly last year it became very clear, uh, that Europe has a really... Um, we, we do have more gas infrastructure that we need. We're never going to use it. There's never going to be demand for that. So the debate should move to how we decommission those infrastructures and how we move to a, to a full electrification society, for instance. Instead of that, the, the operators of those pipelines, which are called, um, well, TSOs, but are basically the companies like Fluxis, SNAM, or Hasuni in the Netherlands, Enagas in Spain, very powerful companies. Um, what they say now is we don't need uh, to, to stop getting fundings and we don't need to stop building more gas infrastructure. And they present what they call the hydrogen backbone, um, which would be a network of 23,000 kilometers of gas infrastructure for 2030. 75% of it, it's already built, and they still claim they would need to, to build a new 20%, which is around almost 6,000 more kilometers of fossil gas infrastructure. So they managed to shift the debate from, okay, we have more than we, know, than we need, uh, we should still stop building more, and we should decommission them to... We're actually getting new funding for this because it's going to be good for the hydrogen economy. And the very worrying news is that it's the leaked uh, draft from the 10E, which is not yet uh, presented, but it's leaked. It's as bad as we could expect. It's uh, wide open to fund gas and with no hard on date. Um, So to, to, keep, to give open the, the door for fossil hydrogen projects. Um, so really a victory for those companies. Thank you, Belen. Uh, now, we are talking today on Friday, the 13th of December, 
when the political leaders uh, of the European Union uh, gathered at the European summit announced that the EU wants to go for a minus 55% reduction of CO2 emissions by 2030. Media reported that European countries are allowed, and I quote, to use nuclear and gas to replace dirtier fossil fuel. So gas is basically being talked about as a transition energy, a clean and a low carbon energy source, right? Yes, uh, of course, that, that we didn't mention before, but one of the things that the, um, that the, that the um, branding of, of hydrogen of, and, and of the role of fossil gas and nuke in, uh, in, hyd in hydrogen is that they call it clean and low carbon. So they, that, that was really a demand from the hydrogen lobby. Don't refer to it as fossil uh, hydrogen. It's low carbon, it's clean. <laughs> and that's been reflected in the policies. Um, there is a still a fight in the council and it's not decided uh, whether the support for blue and coal will be short term, like some countries that they call the green countries want. I mean, nobody opposed the funding of those. Eh? It's not that the ones that they call green are only for green. And then you have countries like uh, very strong Netherlands, but also France, uh, Finland, Hungary and Czech, Poland and Romania saying we will be funding those up to 2050 and beyond. <laughs> Now, Diederik Samson, chef de cabinet of uh, European Commissioner Frans Timmermans, recently said, and I quote, we want 100% green hydrogen in the future. But to get there, we need a transitional phase of blue hydrogen. But the EU, including member states and even some fossil fuel companies, often proudly announce they and Europe will be climate neutral by 2050. But how on earth is that compatible with what you just explained and the long-term support for fossil fuels? Yeah, but count carbon neutral means nothing. Carbon neutral means accounting tricks. Um, what they should become is zero emissions, <laughs> like really stop, uh, reduce demand, um, move, shift to really uh, renewable energy. What they say climate neutral is accounting. Even the 55 uh, um, target that they agreed today um, has carbon sinks on it. So it, it, it opens the door to a, to a big... Um, Basically, to all the false solutions pushed by fossil fuel industry, like sequestration of carbon, carbon sinks, forest, etc., which means um, accounting tricks in the sense that, okay, I will keep on uh, um, exploring, producing and extracting more fossil fuels, but I will say it's neutral because... I promise to use a technology that for the moment it's failed, risky, and it hasn't worked yet. But I promise I will capture the emissions um, in the future. Things like this is what means carbon neutral right now. So we are now five years after the signing of the Paris Climate Agreement. And yet we are still at the level of this kind of greenwashing. And again, the fossil fuel industry seems to get away with it. Uh, Council President Charles Michel today, the 13th of December, tweeted that the EU is a climate leader of the world again. 
Yes, and that's why you have, for instance, one of the one of the members of the Fridays for Future today saying again, this is the biggest betrayal. We're five days, uh, five years after Paris, and uh, what the what the EU is promising to do amounts to nothing. That was today also on the news. But again, EU policymakers do not stop declaring that. The European Union is being the climate champion of the world and that Euro Europe will be climate neutral by 2050. Because they always have this position since years ago. They, they first with carbon markets, then with the, now with the hydrogen, they present as green and as clean something that is not. It just sounds very good to say you're going to be climate neutral. It's Very good to say you increase your target to 55, but if that's not translated into real meaning, um, it amounts to little more than empty words. But it allows—I mean, this this is not what the media is speaking. The media is speaking the same uh, image that the industry and the and decision makers are selling, which is Europe is um, is uh, going a big, uh, you know, moving a big step there. We are climate leaders. It seems that politicians, but also maybe we collectively, somehow want to believe the fossil industry f serving our future and, and also um, uh, their, their techno-fix solutions. Exactly. I think we are talking about um, dressing up a reality like it's not, <laughs> it's not what they're selling. And, um, and they're also a, a big um, derailing factor, I say, is the context in Brussels of what is acceptable as political reality no? and, uh, and compromise. Um, instead of having a, a concert push on actually shifting political reality to what we need <laughs> before it's too late. Now, climate science has been telling us that in order to achieve the Paris Agreement goals, we basically need to leave most fossil fuels in the ground, right? This simple fact goes too much against the business interest of the current business model of fossil fuel industry, isn't it? Yes, we should uh, depart from science, which, sees, which says leave fossil fuel on the ground. Therefore, we should start talking about, yes, even renationalizing re companies, governments, um, addressing how you decommission these companies and how you go to zero. <laughs> fossil fuel, how you shift to, to things. The problem is that now they're making policy with those companies and they are very much designing solutions, so we are never moving uh, away. I want to say you, for instance, one thing, this hydrogen lobby, all the oil and gas companies behind, all the gas line uh, operators, they've been lobbying for years against electrification, you know? Whilst the debate in Europe should be about how to start creating a decentralized and sustainable energy model which can be based on local and regional energy production and which would be basically breaking current energy monopolies of big energy companies. Yes, absolutely right. But um, that the system you are talking about is actually would wrestle back control from this um, cartel of fossil fuel corporations that we have now <laughs> and uh, and also for the politicians it's more manageable this centralized energy system that we have now 
But indeed, we should be talking about uh, full electrification, like you say, but also, yeah, how to decarbonize our gas system, um, not by putting our faith in these improving technologies, but we also need to talk about just transition while we could still have a just transition before it's too late, how to plan phase out of all fossil fuels and infrastructure. Uh, protecting communities and workers. But but we are not having this debate. And instead, we are having this debate about fake hydrogen hype. But can't, according to you, even green hydrogen really never be acceptable in your view? For example, for decentralized business processes? Uh, in the dema in the scale they are doing, yes. The problem is the scale. The whole problem with this is the scale. Um, it's a bit like uh, the biofuels debate years ago. There's nothing wrong with very small scale, real renewable, localized, <laughs> which doesn't uh, imply a lot of investment in fossil gas structure, etc. The problem is the scale. The scale they're even planning to, to go for green hydrogen now means that we never ever could meet the demand um, in Europe of renewable energy needed to, to, to manufacture that hydrogen. So already the plans for 2030 that are put by Hydrogen Europe and that are taken by the Commission are talking about, okay, getting half uh, in the EU and half they want to bring from uh, Morocco and from Ukraine. How? By making projects there... <laughs> that uh, nobody's going to look... Um, well, they will continue this neocolonial relationship that, that, that we have. Nobody's looking at uh, who is deciding there, who is benefiting and who is actually displacing communities, having a very bad impact there. So the problem is, is the scale they want to make hydrogen. It's also unsustainable. It wouldn't be green. And they're inflating demand. They're saying now we need hydrogen for everything, you know? <laughs> And um, the people who are in favor of some use of green hydrogen say we could use it for very limited, very limited uh, process for, you know, that, that they cannot be solved with electrification or with other things. But that's not what industry wants. Industry wants a full scale, <laughs> um, you know, a, a, a hydrogen um fueled economy and that's completely different word. Belen, we are today, Friday the 13th, having this conversation also exactly one year after the announcement of the Green Deal by uh, EC President Ursula von der Leyen. But if I hear all this, it seems that the, the Green Deal is getting greyer by the day. That is a shame that we are missing an opportunity to really transform Uh, our energy system um, and a lot of other agriculture, etc. Um, we already suspected a year ago, I mean, fossil gas and hydrogen are built in from the very beginning. It's just getting worse um, during these 12 months. But other elements were good and they're still letting them be in, yeah, hijack or you know, by the, by the power of, of uh, multinationals and, and their lobby groups. So I think they're really losing an opportunity to, 
to really transform our system. Thank you, Belen. Don't you find it a bit strange that even policymakers like Frans Timmermans, who seem to really care when it comes to climate change, and yet the people like him strongly defend these kind of fossil-based choices? Absolutely. I wonder if this, I, I, I really wonder sometimes, like when I think on this and I'm working on this, like, do these t people have children? I guess they have, no? So why, how come that they still push for this, um, you know, fossil fuel people and this thing? It's because it doesn't matter how you see it. You are <laughs> making their future very bad. We've reached the end of this podcast, the last one of this year. I want to thank Belen Balanja for sharing her knowledge with us. A special thanks also go out to Mark Baroner and Jan Kallewaert for technical assistance. If you like this podcast and you value the work of CEO, then please support us to stay independent. We are a small organization that works fully independently of funding from EU institutions and corporations. So every single donation, small or big, helps us fight the hold of big businesses over European policymaking. Stay tuned, stay safe. We'll meet in the new year. Bye.